What is church? Is it just a, a building with four walls and some windows? A place to meet? Or is it the actual people inside of the church doing things inside of their community? Is the church a place or is the church a people? The answer, well, that's today on the podcast. Hey, it's Marisa from the Tower Hill production team. Thank you so much for listening into our Tower Hill podcast. Whenever or wherever you're listening, we hope this podcast blesses you, and we hope that you feel free to share it with someone that you know so that they'll feel blessed too. We are at the tail end of the summer, and we are at the tail end of this sermon series, Never Alone. Today, Pastor Jason wraps up this sermon series with a discussion about church. So let's check it out right now. Good morning, Tower Hill Church. Good morning, Marine View Church. It's so good to be with you again this morning. This series that Pastor Jesse and I have been doing over the last month has been all about how do you live out this adventure of faith and to be reminded that as you live it out, you don't do it alone. We've been talking a bit about how there is a big difference between thinking about your faith or talking about your faith and then actually living your faith. That if all you're doing is thinking about or talking about your faith, that's really not going to be the adventure that God has designed for you. The adventure is meant to be taken. It's meant to be lived. And it all begins with Jesus' call to us, just like he called those disciples, to come and follow me. Come and follow me, in the words of Mark 1, 17. Come and follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. It's this fundamental call of faith that brings us all out upon the water, so to speak. It calls us out into our journey into our race that we talked a little bit about last week. And as we navigate this life of faith, I love that Pastor Jesse brought up the Oregon Trail. I thought that was perfect, right? It's kind of like the options are, the first one is take the trail. The second is learn about the trail. And for so many lifelong Christians, I think we get stuck a little bit into category two, where we get stuck learning about the trail, but we never actually take it. The funny thing is, that's not how discipleship usually works. I mean, just think about your own life. When you were a kid, did you learn everything about how to play baseball, or did you just go out and start swinging a bat? You just went out and played, and the learning happened as you went. I think we've forgotten that when it comes to our faith. The learning happens as we go. It's very counterintuitive, right? Because you don't really understand what it's like to follow Jesus until you actually follow Jesus. The learning is supposed to happen while you're traveling, right? It's supposed to happen along the journey of life. This is what faith is like. This is what it's like living your, your journey of faith. And the thing is, in order to do that, again, we've been talking the last few weeks about this, is you really need two things. You need an individual commitment and you need community. You can't have one without the other. I've met a lot of Christians, and I think I felt this way too when I was younger in particular, thinking, I don't need a church. I could just love Jesus on my own. The problem is, is that, I don't know how else to say this, people get weird when they're just practicing their faith on their own. In other words, you're not tethered to a community that's keeping you inbound, so to speak. So when you're alone, you can start having all sorts of ideas about God, about faith, about Jesus, but you need that community to kind of keep the guardrails on, to help you understand, well, no, this isn't actually what Scripture says. We need to be reminded of the faith promises of God and how He 
asks us to live our life of faith, and that only happens in community. We need both. But you can't just have community and expect everyone to live your faith for you. It's a both and. It's kind of like if I were a fisherman and I were going into some unknown waters, I could spend a great deal of time on my own, no idea where the fish are. You know, let's say I don't have a fish finder or anything like that. I'm just in a, a boat with a fishing pole. I could scour the ocean looking for where the fish are, and that could take me hours. It could take me days, weeks, months, even years before I find the right fishing spot. There's just way too much water to cover. See, when I'm by myself, it is easier to get lost. And that's just the truth when it comes to our faith. It's easier to get lost when you're alone. And see, that's the great thing about community. What you really want to do is you want to find the other boats who've already found the fish. They know where to go. In community, you experience greater success. And that's what the community of faith is like, right? So I get together in community, and I'm able to understand faith in a deeper, richer way, and not just community of my immediate church, but the community of all the saints that ever came before me, all the Christian literature, all the beautiful thoughts that were written over the centuries to explain the phenomenon of Jesus and what it means to follow him in your adventure of faith is at my disposal. I am tethered and anchored to this community that has learned over time where the fish are. I still have to get out there and cast my nets, right? But I don't do it alone. I do it in community, which is really the whole point of this sermon series. But I do think it's important to drill down a little deeper into what is this community really all about? Or in other words, what does the church really mean? How would you, if I were to ask you a question, it'd be like, how would you define church? You know, say I land on a spaceship and from outer space, I'm just like, listen, um, I don't understand this whole church thing. Explain it to me. What are some things that you would say? Well, you'd probably talk a little bit about the church that you grew up in. Uh, maybe you have varying degrees of uh, positive and negative experiences with that. Or maybe you describe the church that you're involved with now, which is, of course, awesome and amazing. And, or, you know, maybe you just sort of explain, yeah, you know, church is this place where we all gather and we be the disciples of Jesus together. And we, we do ministry things, we have fun, we engage, we learn about Jesus. Maybe that's how we would define church. And so let's do that. Let's define church a little bit, or let's talk about what are the different definitions of church and why they matter. So the first is church is defined by our experience, for sure. Like whatever you grew up with had a big impact on your understanding of church. Now, I also know that for a lot of people, this is a negative experience. And there are some people truly who come to our church from other church experiences saying, I had such a bad experience and it turned me off from church, it turned me off... Because people become disillusioned with the institution. Or they become turned off by Christians who are supposed to behave as children of God and they sin or behave in ugliness and turn people away. Or the institution of the church feels cold or feels like you're always trying to pry me from my money instead of give me this like authentic discipleship, faith, community experience. I feel like Maybe the church that I grew up in didn't know where the fish were. And so we all were lost, and it was a really negative experience. That definitely happens. Others of you, you had great experiences of church growing up. In fact, you had such a good experience as children, 
you come to church as adults, you're like, why can't it be like that all the time? Or why can't it be like it was back when I was having this really great experience at church? Church is often defined by our own experience. I think our church definitely is also defined by our culture. Culture has a lot to say about church, some of it to do with that institutional reality, right? Most of it's bad, most of it's negative, and I would say this, most of it is well-earned. The institution of the church has failed many over the years. I mean, you don't have to look hard to see how that's been true, whether it's been with clergy abuse or it's been with just people behaving ugly and not showing love as Jesus called us to love. And so our culture has a lot of negative things to say about the church, especially about institutional religion in general that just doesn't want anything to do with it. Why can't we all just insert bumper, bumper sticker, coexist, right? Why can't we just all, all religious persuasion, let's just all be together in this great religious soup. And of course, the problem is, is that none of those uh, ways of doing religion allow for that as a possibility, because in the end, we have different claims about who God is and who we are in relationship with him. But, but that's the impulse, right? So church, in many ways, is this outdated institution that has little relevance on my life, and if it does have relevance, it's probably negative. Not to mention that our culture says, well, actually, we prefer more of like a buffet style of religious experience. So I'll take a little from Christianity, and I'm going to take a little from Buddhism, and I'm going to take a little from Judaism, and, I, and I'm going to you know, take it from here, and I'm going to mix it all together and enjoy. That's my plate. And so it makes it hard then as the church to speak the truth to people who think it's already too inclusive or too exclusive and not inclusive enough. Now, between these two things, between our experience and our culture, we have a certain perception of what church is and who it's for and why it's here. But I have a question for you then. Does the perception match the reality? Well, hopefully, our information isn't just coming from experience and culture. That perhaps... The church is something much different than that based on the teachings of Jesus in the New Testament. How does Jesus define the church? How does the New Testament talk about the life of the church? These are things that we have to bring ourselves back to to really understand what church is all about, why this community of faith matters, why it's different than any other kind of group of like-minded individuals. It's not just a social club. It goes something deeper. It goes way, way deeper than that. And so let's look at the first time Jesus uses the word church. I'm going to talk a little bit about the word that he used um, that got translated into church. But the first time he uses the word church is in Matthew chapter 16. Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. So Jesus talks about church, about this thing that he's going to build upon the rock. Of course, we know Peter's name uh, Cephas meant rock, 
And so it's, it's a pun that he's created. Upon this rock, I'm going to build my church. But he's also talking about this church, this living, breathing, existing thing that he was going to call into creation, and it was never going to fail. Even the gates of Hades will not overcome it. And the word that he used, interestingly, so back in the Greek, is ekklesia. Ekklesia. And this word uh, comes from two different words, two different Greek words. The first is kaleo, which means to call, and the second is ek, which means out of. So it's the people who have been called out of or called into with uh, like-minded ideas and with one unity and purpose. The called out ones, the ecclesia, the called out ones who were called to be faithful disciples of Jesus Christ. Now, this idea of ecclesia comes from the Roman world. Uh, and it was synonymous with the Roman idea of assembly. So it was about people gathering together united by the same principles or ideas or purpose or cause. A living gathering of Jesus' followers is what ecclesia means. It was more of a movement than it was an institution. So when Jesus says, I will build my ecclesia, he means my gathering of faithful, my disciples in community. But it makes you wonder why do we think about church as a location? Well, I mean, the answer is obvious. We see churches across the country, and we go, oh, there's a church, right? I mean, it's not that, not that crazy. We just see all the different churches that exist, and so we get the idea that church is a place. But we come by it very honestly. So the way this happened, it, this is really fascinating. I'll, I'll give you the short story to this. But basically, when Emperor Constantine legalized Christianity in 313 A.D., he started referring to the movement, the ecclesia, uh, more in terms of location. And it came from the idea of Roman basilica. And it kind of continued to morph into locations where these believers of Jesus would gather. And often they would gather around known grave sites of martyrs of the faith and they would build structures around that site and begin meeting there. And all of a sudden, this idea of the ecclesia moved into this idea of church. And then what further like, really cemented that was not only it became a location, but then the German word kirsch was then the English substitute is church. And so that's when church started getting used very late in the translation game when everything, when scripture was translated into English. And so church, which is more about a location, was substituted for ecclesia. And you can see the problem is that, well, you can, if you just think the church is a place, you don't really understand the power of the community of the people. But this brings up another question, right? Like, I don't know, Pastor, what are we talking about? I've gone to, gone to church my whole life, and you're telling me that I'm thinking about it all wrong. Well, I mean, listen, I'm not going to say that, but I think there's more to the understanding of church, and I think that more matters. So, what's the answer to the question? Is it a place or is it a people? Yes. In short. It is both a, a sociological and a supernatural reality. So we have the church buildings and the gatherings of the faithful all across the world. We would definitely consider that to be churches. But primarily... To understand the church proper, properly, we have to understand that it is a super, 
natural reality. It's all the believers gathered beyond space and time, beyond physical location. It's the gathering of the faithful under the feet of Jesus Christ. It's something Jesus called forth into existence, his church, his ecclesia. It is a movement of the Holy Spirit through human beings partnering with Jesus Christ. So, uh, one way that, you know, we look up to John Calvin in a lot of our theology in the Presbyterian world, and John Calvin described it a little bit this way. He said, well, what's the difference between the local church and the supernatural Jesus church? And he said, well, it's kind of like this. It's kind of like the visible church that we all can see in different locations all over the world, and the invisible church, the one that we can't see because we can't look into people's hearts and see who is the faithful that is gathered in Jesus' name that transcends time and space. One is very sociologically bound, and one is a supernatural reality. And so John Calvin used to say, the visible church, hopefully, if it's a faithful church, contains the supernatural church or a piece of it, but it might not. If the church has become unfaithful and it has wandered from the word of God, well, maybe it's just a sociological institution. See, the thing is, when Jesus is talking about his church, he's always talking about people. It is a people thing more than a building thing. I don't think it's necessarily wrong to look at a church like, oh, there's a church, but to understand that there's a big difference between the ecclesia, the calling of God's called out people, and the place where they gather. And I think this has been a huge lesson for us in the middle of this pandemic, right? We've, we've learned some valuable lessons about what it means to be the church because we can't gather together or haven't been. We also know how hard it's been to not gather together. But what is the nature of the church, right? What is it? It's more than just a, a club of people that believe the same things. Again, it's a supernatural reality. It belongs to Jesus Christ, and it will persevere. Why is that important? Well, because, I mean, listen, we've all heard, you know, this kind of talking about the church and what's going on in the world and saying, you know, if churches can't meet, they're going to close, they're going to end, it's going to be over, that uh, the government's going to suppress the church, and part of what's going on right now and in, with face masks and social distancing and all that is sort of this kind of movement to get rid of the church or to somehow suppress the voice of the church and all of that. But the reminder to all of us is nobody can do it. No human can suppress the church. Yes, there can be an impact on the sociological reality of the institutional church, but the church of Jesus Christ will not be shaken. The gates of Hades will not overcome it. And I think that's really important to remember, especially during difficult times. From Ephesians 22, or 122, And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. That's the other reality about the nature of the church, is that the church is the body of of Jesus Christ. What does that mean? This is the wild part. This is the supernatural reality. Is that Jesus ascended into heaven. He is the head of the church. But he says, we are connected in such a way that we will be his hands and feet to the world. 
Instead of Jesus staying here on earth in his form prior to the resurrection, by the power of his spirit, he is present in all the believers. In other words, we enact the will of Jesus Christ as if we are his hands and feet, as if we are his body acting. And that is a supernatural reality. We pray for things and things change. We respond to things and mountains are overcome. It is incredible what the church has been given the power to do. And even what we see in Scripture, Jesus says, you'll see greater things than these. It is the body of Christ, the hands and feet. And what's funny about that is we often think, okay, God, where are you going to show up? we got all these problems. we got all these issues in the world. Where are you going to show up, God? And Jesus is like, I'm already there. I'm with my body, the church. And the gates of Hades will not overcome it. If your brother or sister sins, this is also from uh, the Gospel of Matthew. If your brother or sister sins, go and point, point out their fault just between the two of you. If they listen to you, you have won them over. But if they will not listen, take one or two others along so that every matter may be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. If they still refuse to listen, tell it to the church. Now, why is that important to share with you? Because, well, obviously, he's not talking about a place. He's not talking about a building. Tell it to the church. Jesus is clearly talking about people. So the other important piece about the nature of the church is that it is the community of disciples. With that in mind, there is no wonder when Jesus says, where two or three are gathered in my name, so I am with you. There is a spiritual, supernatural reality of the church that transcends the four walls that we gather in. In community, you experience greater success. As we're talking about our journey of faith, we really have to understand that it's going to be way too hard for us to try to live this adventure we've been called to alone. We need each other. Here's the important piece, though. We're not going to execute the community of God perfectly. Why? We still have this sin problem that gets in the way. And so, yes, churches and Christians may act ugly from time to time. They may say and do things that children of God shouldn't be saying or doing. But hopefully, we do what Jesus says. We love one another. We forgive one another as he has for us. If you're currently kind of on the fence in your participation in church, I want you to reconsider. Because I think the community makes all the difference in your commitment. Here's the other thing. If our understanding of church is more a monument than a movement, we will struggle to live our adventure. Remember, brothers and sisters in Christ, seekers, those who are curious about faith, remember this. Your adventure awaits, and you're never alone. Amen. Amen.